0: I think that just gives any entrepreneur the feeling of doing what they love which is
1: being free to create you're listening to why try the podcast celeste miranda is founder of the cannabis marketing lab which serves companies specifically on the scientific and testing side of the cannabis industry she has also branched out into a media company with three magazine publications focused on niches like testing and processing for the plant My favorite part about our conversation, though, was hearing how sharply she contrasts the experience of working in her business on the day-to-day versus how it feels to be working on her business over the long haul. I think you'll really enjoy our conversation.
0: My business is the Cannabis Marketing Lab, and I got into it eight years ago. And actually, I, I had had a marketing firm for 10 years prior to getting into the cannabis portion of it. I had a mainstream marketing firm. And then the past eight have been in solely, you know, specializing in cannabis.
1: So eight years ago is pretty much around like the beginning of cannabis going mainstream, right?
0: Correct. Yeah, we were there for the whole Colorado rec thing and, and, you know, all that. So, yeah, we've seen a lot in a lot of different countries and, and places. We have clients all over. So we've seen the cannabis industry evolve quite a bit. It's been interesting.
1: Sure. And what did your business first look like when you started?
0: Right. Okay. So um, with my mainstream firm, I I handled marketing for a lot of law firms. And then I had a big chain of hair salons, things like that. And at that point, eight years ago, a grow light had come to me and they asked me to handle their marketing. And it was an interesting launch, and they were currently being used by the government in submarines this light to provide what was very close to actual sunlight. So I took on that account and the launch was very successful. And so she- Shortly after that, we all know what everybody will use the grow light for that duplicates the sun. So it was great at growing cannabis. So shortly after that, I had a lot of cannabis companies start coming to me to handle their marketing. And so that's actually how I got into it. And so into the cannabis end. And at that point, I could kind of see, you know, the forest through the trees and what was going to be coming. And so it was scary. But at that point, I made a decision to completely change everything over to cannabis and take that chance and, and take the leap and try to be one of the companies on the forefront of the cannabis movement.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you've uh, been pretty successful in doing that too. When you were deciding to make that transition, how did you how did you decide when it was time to kind of leave what you were doing in the past behind and kind of move into this new direction?
0: You know, it was so hard because you know, you obviously have you know your income and and for an entrepreneur that can be up and down you know so much, and to leave that is 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 very scary, you know, but at that point, it was mainly just myself. I was using some outsourced help for different elements of the business, and so you know i I kept at that point, I think it was two law firms, and more than anything, I kept them out of loyalty. They were the original two law firms that started with me at that point, you know, 10 years ago, uh, 10 years prior to they believed in me when I had, I, I was just just starting a company. And so I kept those two firms. And so I knew I wouldn't starve. I might eat ramen, but I knew, but I knew I wouldn't starve. And so I made that transition. And like I said, I had companies calling me at that point after the grow light launch to, um, to handle their marketing. So I was pretty confident that it would happen. And, you know, the one thing is I had to obviously keep my prices low to begin with. And that was scary too, but you do what you gotta do. And it was such a new market and there was really no nothing established in it. And so I kept my prices low. All these the cannabis industry, especially at that time, even now to to a degree, was startups. And so I kept my price low so they could afford it. And, you know, that's that's kind of how I initially got things going.
1: That's interesting. It seems like you kind of had like a safety net set up for yourself and then just kind of proceeded like a little bit cautiously, maybe kind of feel at the market. Mm-hmm. So kind of looking forward, what are you working on in your business that you're most excited about now?
0: Well, being in the position that I'm in with my marketing firm, you know, we have about 51 clients, six different countries. And being in that position, I'm able, and we we do mostly scientific cannabis companies. So testing labs, extraction machines, equipment, technologies, things like that. Being in that position, I'm able to kind of see holes in the industry. And so I was able, for instance, to identify one and, you know, it was that there was no scientific publication, print publication for the uh, scientific cannabis community. And so we branched off into a media company as well because I had clients who wanted to place ads in scientific cannabis magazines and they didn't exist. And so I was able to identify that we branched off into a media company and now that media company owns three titles, three different magazines for the cannabis industry. So, you know, I was, my position is unique in that I'm able to see the holes and what would be a niche in the industry and and what's needed. And so that's probably the most exciting thing to me, you know, at the moment, is being able to be in that position to, to see what's missing. And I'm so front and center with it. And so I can see it. And so it's exciting because being a typical entrepreneur, I'm always embarking on something, something new that I see the industry needs.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's definitely, I think you nailed it with being a typical entrepreneur. Yeah. That seems to be the key trait um, from the people I've talked to that are, they just love doing new things all the time.
0: Exactly. Well, I think we're horrible at (laughs) day-to-day business operations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, like like you cannot torture me more than having to deal with a hum- with an HR issue. You know what I mean? Like oh my god, like I'd rather jump in a tub of acid. I mean, it's just I would it's it's so hard I think for true entrepreneurs to focus we're just not good managers and it's not what we do. And, you know, because we're always trying to see the next big thing, you know,
1: I would totally agree. It seems like things that are more maintenance focused, mm-hmm. I just like suck the energy right out of you.
0: It's- <laughs> <We do. laughs> Torture. Right.
1: Yeah. So, okay. It's kind of speaking of new things. I was curious about how, I don't know, like the a hundred percent of your background, but it seems like you're, you have a really like technical scientific focus in your organization. So I kind of curious, like, is that something you mm-hmm. had personally or something that you had to bring in or, like, develop yourself?
0: Oh, my God, Nicholas. Like, so much of the scientific stuff goes so over my head. It is it, it is not something that I had any experience on. But I, again, from my position, worked with some amazing PhD chemists, scientists, things like that. And I was able to surround myself with people who did have that knowledge who do have that knowledge and so you know i was able to put them in positions that mattered and make them key components in the development of the scientific portion and you know just like they lean to me uh for the creativity i lean to them for the uh the scientific portions
1: so it sounds like you've set up some really good partnerships exactly What works well for you in setting up a partnership?
0: You know, there's so much to partnerships. And I think as entrepreneurs, we can all say that we've seen good ones and we've seen bad ones. And, you know, I I knew a, a guy a while back and I, I mean, I still do, but he was very much an entrepreneur, but he loved absolutely. He would not go into a business unless it was with a partner like he wouldn't even consider it. And, you know, I, I think that that is a very specific type of entrepreneur because I think there's, there's another type who it's not always beneficial. I think it just has, so has to be the right person, the right partner. And, you know, number one, you guys have to get along. Number two, you got to both bring something to the table. And, you know, I've just seen so many partnerships go south as well. So, you know, when I, bring someone on, I'm obviously looking for a balance of expertise and what they know. And i like to usually, you know, work with them on a lower grade capacity first, to obviously make sure that it's a fit. And, um, you know, our skills are, are a match and that sort of thing.
1: That seems smart, kind of a risk mitigation thing.
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> so I was, I was kind of curious in terms of marketing and kind of, I don't know, you have, you have a A great perspective on this world. Is there a concept or like marketing tool out there that you think is especially powerful and also unappreciated?
0: You know, not so much marketing, but I will tell you the tool that is my absolute Bible and that is Basecamp. I couldn't live without Basecamp, you know, which is the project management software that pretty much, you know, most people know, but we just use it. Oh, my God. Like, we just beat it to, to the ground. Like literally, I could not function without Basecamp. And so not so much a management tool, but definitely, um, I mean, a marketing tool, but definitely a project management tool, you know, has, has really served us well. As far as marketing, if I had to pick one, I would probably say our social media department really considers Hootsuite to be invaluable.
1: Yeah, I I've started using like uh, something similar cuz it's it basically you can schedule your like social media posts, right?
0: Right, right, right. Instead of
1: having it like interrupt your day like every 2 hours like you always got to be thinking of something new, you can just kind of like like knock it out and I don't I mean depending on how much social media stuff you do, you know, anywhere from my like, 10 minutes to an hour.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: So, I'm kind of curious for you cuz I, I think we talked a little bit about um, things that you are really good at and things where you are like to partner f- with other people. So for you, like, what's the most like rewarding and energizing thing you spend time on?
0: Jeez. You know, I would say I have an amazing team and you know, every person on my team feels a very, very valuable role. And so I think when you hit this stride of when everything is just clicking it's all working perfectly and your team members are on top of, of everything, you know, and you are, you know, you feel the, the flow going and And I think at that point, um, is probably when it clicks the most for me is, you know, your clients are happy, your team is on top of it and it's at that point that I... I am able to progress with the creative things or moving the business forward or that type of thing. And I would probably say that those are my best times in the business because otherwise when things just aren't clicking or there's a hiccup or whatever, it pulls the entrepreneur back into it. And unfortunately, you're working in your business rather than on it and, you know, just it it's just a big wall that comes up in front of you. So I would have to say when everything's in sync, in rhyme, and, um, you know, at that point we're able to to be them, the most creative that we can be. Okay.
1: So you kind of touched on the thing I was going to ask you about next. Like, because I wanted to know mm-hmm. kind of what the most frustrating thing you spend time, at, kind of the opposite of that. And then um, maybe I'll just jump right to the follow-up that I had for you. Um, what would your life look like if you no longer had um, – to work on that like frustrating activity.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I think the frustrating activity for any entrepreneur is exactly what we just said. Yeah. When, when you're drawn to have to work in the business because of problems or issues or whatever, you know, where your team tries as hard as they can to fix something. And it's just, it it requires you, you know, and that type, that type of thing. I think that's the, probably the most frustrating And what would it look like if I didn't have that? You know, obviously, I think that it would there would be more progress in where the business goes and the new strides that would that, you know, we would make, you know, we would I I would be freed up to bring a new title onto the media company or, you know, bring a new platform on for some clients or whatever, things that I would be able to work on for the benefit of the business if I wasn't working in it, dealing with issues or problems going on.
1: Like, What what would that feel like to you, like emotionally?
0: Oh, gosh. You know, I think the way that makes any entrepreneur feel is free. You know, I think that any entrepreneur, that's why there's so much risk in being an entrepreneur. I don't get a paycheck. You know, we don't, we're not guaranteed any paycheck. We're not guaranteed any amount of money at the end of the day. Everything that an entrepreneur does is a risk. And, you know, I think when it's all said and done, the more that you're able to grow the business in the way that the best way it needs to be grown, I think that just makes you feel accomplished because we get stuck working in things and we stop accomplishing you know, what we do best as entrepreneurs, which is create. I think that just gives any entrepreneur the feeling of, of doing what they love, which is being free to create.
1: Thank you. That's a really thoughtful response. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, okay, I'm mean, just kind of going like even deeper into this, what stands in the way mm-hmm. of, of living that all the time for you?
0: Life, right? Because, I mean, obviously not everything's going to go right 100% of the time. And so, you know, I just think life, there's going to be clients that are unhappy. There's going to be team members that leave and go on to something else. Um, There's, you know, just life happens. I think that that would get in the way of that. In a perfect world, you're going to have the same team forever, you know, and you guys are going to work great, know each other, know their positions perfectly. And you're going, you know, and they're going to the clients are going to be happy and that will free up the entrepreneur to do, you know, what they do best you know but that's in a perfect world.
1: Well, okay, like as a thought experiment, if if I asked you how you would create like a lifelong employee or like partner or however mm-hmm. you would structure that relationship, mm-hmm. how would you go about that, do you think?
0: Allow them the room to be creative and make, you know, some of their own decisions. A lot of times I'll just tell my team members just figure it out, do what you think is best. And, you know, you can't always say that, but a lot of the times you can and I think you have to give people that trust and that latitude when you can. And most of the time, you're going to be impressed at what they do. I try to make sure that I do that.
1: Yeah, that seems like a really valuable way to go. I, I think I read like the biggest driver of uh, how people feel about their work is their ability to make a difference.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, and it seems mm-hmm. like
1: you're really in tune with that, so I think that's cool. Can you think of... Uh, a time when you, you saw an opportunity that was like outside of your current reach, and um, how you managed to grow uh, to meet that opportunity?
0: Mm-hmm. I would say that the term outside your current reach is a mindset. You know what sure. I mean? Like, like, to me, that can be, th- there can be so many things you can be afraid of in the course of a day that would put something outside of your current reach. And because that's, that's the box you put it in and, you know, you, you, it's unattainable in your mind, you know, and I think that for instance, the media company, you know, I, that could have easily been outside my current reach, you know, I, I, I could have said, you know, we're a marketing firm, not a publishing company, you know, and, and, but I think as long as you don't put up those barriers, and the mindset that you have about um, the ways in which you move your business, uh, I think that is very, very important. And because the thing is, is, as an entrepreneur, we all know, I've tried so many things that have failed, Nicholas, it's crazy, like literally. <laughs> I have failed so many times with so many things. But there's those, those few things every now and then that you do that are successful, and that's all you're looking for. That's it. That's all you want. Like I've started and stopped, you know, after giving it considerable time, so many things. And some things are winners, some things aren't. And you have to be able to say for the ones that aren't, okay, that's enough. You know, stop it. I'm not going to, to, to bleed over it. And it's not as good of an idea as I thought it was when I, you know. When I was out jogging that day and I thought I had the biggest epiphany ever, you know, so you you literally have to, you know, to to just in the entrepreneur, we we try, we try so many things. And I think the important thing is to know when to stop the bleeding and say, well, that one didn't work. But, you know, you're going to come across the few that do if you keep trying.
1: Is there, is there a specific story you could share about that and kind of how you decided when it was time to, to quit on it and move on to something else?
0: Yeah, so I tried this one company or this, this this one venture, I should say, that, you know, we use a lot of, in the marketing company, we use a lot of um, stock photos and, you know, for graphic designers, start with stock photos and, you know, do things like that. And so we purchase these stock photos sometimes or you know, we send a photographer out to take photos, depends, you know, it depends on what, what we need exactly. But I thought, well, I'm going to create a stock photography website. That's just of cannabis because we, we were having such a hard time finding cannabis specific photos and um, you know, that were royalty free, et cetera. And so I thought, you know, well, I'm going to try this. So had people submit their photos, you know, they got a commission based if it was downloaded, this and that. And I had absolutely not one download. <laughs> but, like literally, there was not one download. And I let this thing kind of fly, you know, for about six months or so. And I even had my SEO guy SEOing the website and this and that. And, and you know, it's like, not one download wow. and so you know after about six months I said okay well that that wasn't as good of an idea as I thought it was so you know you you pull the plug and you've lost some money but then again you've you've answered your own question <laughs> so um yeah that's the one
1: that's pretty funny yeah, yeah. And I mean given your background I'm assuming you weren't under marketing it so it's like it just <laughs> exactly. wasn't really a fit right. at all
0: you're right
1: What's your attitude when you're starting something new? Like, is there like a sense of fear that you have to like overcome to start a new thing or kind of what's, what's your emotional state at that time?
0: Gosh, you know, I, I I think when most entrepreneurs, I know myself, when I start something new, yeah, there's always fear, of course, you know, and your emotional state, I think you're just always, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best. Um, And so, you can't start something with no money. You can't start with no resources. So you're always going to, you know, you're always going to know I'm at least going to lose X amount, you know, and that X amount could mean a lot. You know, you could have put that towards something that, that you, you know, would have worked really well in the current business you're doing or, or, you know, that type of thing. And, and so there's always some fear um, related, but, I think any entrepreneur, it's our nature to take risks, and I think it's our nature to try something and believe in it wholeheartedly when we do try it. Um, and yeah, you know, I think the excitement for a true entrepreneur outweighs the fear. You would never get started otherwise.
1: What are some, what are some of your um, favorite books and resources? that um, either have helped you personally or helped you in your business?
0: So I find myself a lot more so reading blogs, internet, online articles, things like that about our industry, the cannabis industry, where it's going, what's happening. You know, I've been an entrepreneur a long time and I have never, ever, Nicholas, seen an industry that moves as fast as this one. Ever. Never. Like literally every day, there's changes. And, you know, because of the state regs and laws and, you know, it's not federally legal. So everything is by state. And then we're in different countries. I mean, I need to literally know the advertising regs, you know, everywhere and the packaging requirements and this and that. And so I would have to say that it has benefited me much more to spend my time with that type of of reading
1: all right and so wh- where can we send other people uh to learn about your company and like the services you guys offer
0: okay so our website is the cannabis marketing lab lab.com and that'll tell you about all the services that we offer and probably and there are two um or actually three media titles that we have on the market right now One is Terpenes and Testing Magazine, which is very popular in the industry. Um, We also publish Extraction Magazine. And the third title is Cannabis Packaging News. And um, all of those can be found
1: just at their exact URLs. Thanks for taking time to talk to me today. I really enjoyed our conversation.
0: You are very welcome. Thank you, Nicholas, for taking your time to talk to me as well. I've, I've enjoyed it.
1: You can find links to the Cannabis Marketing Lab as well as Celeste's three magazine publications in the show notes. If you liked this episode, you might also enjoy my conversation with Cassandra Farrington, creator of Marijuana Business Daily. Go check that out if you're interested. Also, to keep getting new episodes of Why Try, make sure you are subscribed in your podcast app. I recently created a sign up form for the Why Try monthly newsletter, which can be found at nicholaspeel.com. And on my Twitter page at YTriPodcast. Podcast. Each month I compile not just the best things I've made in the last month, but the best things I've found, read, or listened to, including other people's podcasts that I think you'll enjoy as well based on your interest in this podcast. Be sure to check that out and sign up at NicholasPeel.com or on Twitter at YTriPodcast. Podcast. There's a link to both of those in the show notes. Music for this podcast is by Cambrian Explosion, who in a blind taste test determined that they can tell the difference between blue and green m&ms it's not just their imagination it's pretty impressive and is arguably one of the more impressive adventures of theirs that i've gotten to share on this show you can find these connoisseurs of confectionery in portland oregon as well as cepdx.bandcamp.com apple itunes and spotify thanks for listening see you next week